Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and the leading producer of quality fertilizer products. This podcast is intended to facilitate the transfer of knowledge for farmers and crop advisors, improving farm profitability and environmental sustainability. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, my name's Ken Rundle, and with me for this latest podcast is John Telfer, who manages Yara's analytical services. John, the harvest around the country is progressing, and with that crop off the fields, I suppose this is the time to focus on the soil that'll grow the next one. But you want farmers to remember that it means more than just the conventional soil tests, doesn't it? Absolutely. And um, I think before we even think about the soil, Ken, um, I think we could briefly think about something appropriate for this time of year, and that is looking at the grain, looking at the success of the crops we're currently harvesting. Some of our listeners might not be aware, but there's been a new revision to the AHDB Nutrient Management Guide, or RB209, as we usually refer to it. Uh, And in this latest edition, there's now a recommendation to utilize grain nutrient analysis as part of our fertilization management. Um, Previously, grain testing is focused simply on protein levels. Have we hit targets? And more latterly, we've seen increased use of nitrogen and sulfur ratio testing as part of assessing the success of our sulfur strategy. But grain is also a tremendously useful indicator of whether we've got our phosphorus management correct. Um, And to help us with this, there's now a critical target level of 0.32% P that we can utilize. Furthermore, a broad spectrum grain test will provide us with information on all plant nutrients, both the macros and the micros. So with that, we can calculate our nutrient use efficiency, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And then we can apply that knowledge when planning next season's nutrient programs. You know, we might want to consider seed treatments. We might want to consider fertilizer form. We might want to consider uh, looking and planning our foliar nutrient program. Uh, And finally, our grain test gives us an accurate account of genuine nutrient offtake uh, when combined with yield information, as opposed to relying upon standard book values. So we now know for sure whether we're adequately replacing nutrient stocks as opposed to mining them, uh, and that soil fertility is being maintained for the future. So that's a lot of information just from that test alone. But in fact, the tests done on soil are far more sophisticated than they used to be, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, Ken. Um, And I think we're really just beginning to learn just how much soils are dynamic living ecosystems in their own right. Uh, so we shouldn't only consider the, the chemical status of the soil, but also its, its, its other natures of its fertility, its physical and biological status as well. So to me, that means soil testing doesn't start at the laboratory, but it starts in the field. And the most important and useful piece of soil testing equipment you can have is actually the spade. And regular visual soil assessments are very much part of our soil health management. What are you looking for? Well, I think. This is where we need to be checking that we've got good soil structure. We're looking for um, interconnecting vertical pore spaces to ensure our water is moving vertically, not horizontally. Uh, This allows uh, space for roots to explore and penetrate and gather nutrition. Um, Also, something people forget, it allows gas exchange to take place. You know, that soil needs needs a supply of oxygen getting into it. And we need to be uh, allowing carbon dioxide to get out. We can take the opportunity to identify any compaction, make sure we, we remove that. 
But we can also look for signs that the soil might have become waterlogged at any time. And there we're looking for things like um, orange smears of precipitated iron, or the soil might have that gunmetal grey colour, and it might even smell sour as well. So use your senses. Um, and these are signs that an undesirable anaerobic biology has moved in and displaced the anaerobic biology. And it's anaerobic biology that we want. And that, of course, means things like even like worm populations and keeping an eye open for those kind of things, bugs and beasties, all these other things are now very much important part to what you're looking for. Absolutely. You know, worms are a great visual indicator of the health or, if you like, the, the strength of that soil food web. There's a whole ecosystem within that soil. Without that life, the soil is just a collection of ground up minerals. So it's the life that makes its soil and that's that soil food web from microbes decomposing old organic matter to earthworms engineering the soil and releasing their exudates that build soil stability and fungal networks that deliver nutrition to plant roots and even enmesh soil particles together to give it a robustness that our soil helps to, to hold up against extreme weather and to reduce water losses. All that life is key to having a healthy, robust soil. But we mustn't forget the chemistry either. And I suppose that starts with pH, with acidity and lime, which throughout the country is not particularly great at the moment. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, and, and pH is key uh, and it shouldn't be overlooked. And soil health management does start with pH because that biology needs good pH as well. You know, biology will uh, decline if our soil acidity increases and our pH drops. But we also need that good pH to maximize the value of our fertilizer applications by ensuring we've got good nutrient availability. Um, you know, but when we see soils coming into the laboratory at Yara, it's still quite disappointing to, to note that around half the samples we see are below optimum pH. You know, that would be a, a target of six for grassland or six and a half for arable. So soil health is a, is a buzz term at the moment, but it does start with the basics such as pH management, Ken. And that can be easily be addressed. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, lime should be our our primary input. We don't get the pH right, the value of the other P and K inputs, the fertilizer inputs, even the organic manure inputs we're we're applying is uh, is is lessened. Um, you know, so that soil, the traditional soil test, starting with a pH is key, but also checking nutrients. You know, is as important as ever. Um, P and K deficiencies are still commonplace around a quarter of arable soils and about a third of grassland soils we see a phosphorus deficient and we see similar levels of potassium deficiency as well and we shouldn't forget these can be genuinely yield robin if left unaddressed so the basics still apply PHPK is still as important as ever but how carefully should farmers read the results and not go in for standard applications their fathers used that these days, coming back to the point you made about grain, we can surely tweak things with far more delicacy and far more accuracy these days? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Just simply relying upon either straight nitrogen or, or old standard grades, 2010-10, 25-5. This is why we've been left with, with imbalanced soils. We really should take note of those results um, so that soil test shouldn't just be a box ticking exercise. You know, the, the biggest investment in soil testing is the time it takes you to collect the sample. So do that test. Always go beyond the basics. Look at other key nutrients as well. You know, if you're on arable land, you might want to consider micronutrients like copper and zinc and boron on grassland. Um, think about nutrients for livestock health and, and their production, such as calcium or sodium or selenium. You know, and there are plenty of others too as well. So 
yeah, the basics are as critical as ever, but going beyond the basics, take the opportunity to go beyond the basics. You know, I would say that's always my recommendation. And what feedback are you getting from the test results coming through so far? Any particular warnings or urgencies? I think um, certainly for this season, when we've looked at the data from this spring, you know, we shouldn't forget we had record levels of rainfall in February. You know, and we've seen a significant amount of nutrient leaching. Nutrient levels on the whole, certainly for more uh, mobile nutrients, are lower than in previous years. Um, and then, of course, we followed that up with, 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 with very prolonged drought. So water availability um, was, was, was depleted. Um, so those soils have had a tough time of it this year. You know, soils should be in our minds right now as we, we move forward into autumn drilling because they've been through a tough year so far, Ken. Um, you know, but soils are under the spotlight more and more. They're increasingly going to feature in future policymaking. We shouldn't forget that the water framework rules now make it that we shouldn't have a soil test any older than five years, you know? So that's 20% of the farm, at least, every single year. So next, make sure we get our 20% done this autumn, at least. Um, but again, and I can't emphasize this enough, it shouldn't just be a box-ticking exercise. Don't get those results, think I've done the job, and put them in the drawer. Use those tests. Compare one set with the previous set to ensure that soil fertility is being maintained. Remember that soil is going to be passed on to the next generation. It's our responsibility to pass that on in the very best possible condition. It's no good producing high-yielding crops on tomorrow's fertility. So with that in mind, I would say use a qualified advisor to help you interpret those reports and get the very best possible nutrient plan that works for you, works for your crops, and works for the environment as well. And worth remembering, you've already made the point about future policy with what's going to happen in terms of agricultural support payments and everything else. It could well be that the state of a soil is very much going to be the, the case of whether or not a farmer gets any additional support or help because it's easily measured and it's something that uh, governments and treasuries like uh, like to measure. Absolutely, Ken. Yeah, yeah. nobody quite knows what they've got up their sleeves for us in terms of policy and requirements. But I think one thing for sure um, things like carbon uh, stocks and maintenance of carbon stocks are going to be somewhere in there. So again, don't forget to request organic matter analysis in your soils. Get ahead of the curve. It will benefit you for you know, potentially covering any, any requirements, but it's in your best interests to make sure that soil is as fertile, as healthy as possible. And is again, it, it's a living environment. Organic matter is the key to that. So to sum up, what would, you, what would your keywords be or your watchwords be? Um, soil testing, you can't get away from it. 20% of the farm each and every year. The basics always apply. Good soil structure, remove compaction, get the drains working. Keep an eye on pH is the absolute foundation of soil health and soil biology. But then monitor nutrient levels. Make sure you're not mining those nutrient levels. Make sure you're not farming on tomorrow's yield. And use the results. And use the results, Ken. Absolutely. A simple message there, but no less important for that. John Telfer, thank you very much. And that's all we've got time for. Our next podcast goes straight to the top when we speak to Tove Anderson, the head of Yara in Europe. So join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks from now. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.